0: will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills.
1: The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with Location Telematics.
2: Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mentioned that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's Upswell Marketing.com.
0: There's this idea people have been waving their hands about for a while now. What if we're about to have a huge wave of technological progress in biology? On a few recent episodes of this show, uh, we've talked about one obvious place we'd see that wave, in medicine, with things like new drugs and human tissues grown in the lab. But the impact could be much broader than that. There's this whole nascent industry called synthetic biology. People are trying to genetically engineer yeast and bacteria to produce everything from fertilizer to fragrances. Take, for example, indigo-colored dye, the dye used on billions of pairs of genes a year. That's J-E-A-N-S, not G-E-N-E-S, unfortunate homonym in this context. Today, that indigo-colored dye typically comes from petrochemicals, and it's made in a process with lots of nasty byproducts. But what if you could use bacteria to make industrial quantities of that dye and get rid of all the nasty byproducts? I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem, the show where I talk to people who are trying to make technological progress. My guests today are Tammy Sue and Michelle Ju. They are the co-founders of a company called HUE, H-U-U-E. Michelle is the CEO, and Tammy is the CSO, Chief Scientific Officer. Their problem is this. How can you get bacteria to produce indigo dye? And how can you do it cheaply and reliably enough to replace the dye made from petrochemicals? To start, I asked Michelle and Tammy how they arrived at their problem. As it turns out, they discovered the problem from very different directions. Michelle answered first.
1: So um, my family, you know, we're immigrants from China, um, came here to, you know, move to L.A. when I was three years old. And that's when my parents actually started their own kind of traditional, you know, wholesale apparel business. So I really, I would say I, I grew up in this like fashion and apparel business, but not in a very glamorous way. Um, My experiences or or recollections of the fashion industry growing up in this uh, family business was literally, you know, traveling with my parents in family vacations back to China over the summers and visiting these mills or garment factories and really firsthand witnessing some of the um, the negative impacts, right. Of apparel manufacturing. Um, and specifically, you know, my parents, their, their business was a, uh, they were doing streetwear, um, right in the nineties. Um, and so denim was like a big part of that. And so, you know, it, it was specifically denim mills, um, and, and denim manufacturing.
0: And so what did you see? Like specifically when, when you mentioned that you saw, saw that side of the industry, like is there a particular trip or a particular thing that you saw that that stands out in your memory
1: yeah i mean i think about you know going to the kind of literally like you know textile manufacturing cities right in southern china where it's just like you know a bunch of kind of conglomerate factories all you know all together um, the, the air quality kind of outside isn't great. You go into the facility, it's even worse. Everybody has kind of masks on. There are basically like blue particles in the air. You know, it's just on people's skins, you know. And I was a child right at this time, but, but those are the kind of like images that are, I think, still ingrained in, in my mind. I mean, the dye industry is a, uh, Key kind of offender, I would say, in terms of like, you know, jobs that pose threats to safety, both in terms of worker health as well as community health. You know, dying and the effluence from dying, um, you know, is a major source of water and kind of community pollution, right? And, and by the way, you know, in the Indigo process, for example, right, specifically, you've got, you know, not just aniline, which is a benzene derivative, right, that has true carcinogenic properties, but you've got, um, you know, sodamide and formaldehyde and, you know, these harsh chemicals that are going into the production process of these core dyes. They have done a lot of innovation in the fashion industry, but the kind of dye space itself hasn't seen a whole lot of innovation.
0: Good. So that's your introduction to denim, really, early. The seed is planted, right? Yeah. Tammy, how do do you come into the story?
3: So my story and background is is very different from Michelle's. Um, and so, when I was in college, I was um, introduced to this field um, of synthetic biology, which is how do we take these microbes, um, you know, E. coli or yeast, um, and actually program them to make them produce useful chemicals for uh, for people.
0: So you're in, you go to grad school, you go to get a PhD in Berkeley, and you find yourself in a lab. What's what's the, sort of generally, what's the lab
3: working on? Yeah, so the lab I was in was um, working on how do we um, develop tools for engineering um, E. coli and yeast microbes um, to produce things like drug precursors um, or colors or um, kind of other um, biochemicals. Get microbes to make useful stuff for people. Exactly, exactly.
0: And, and... How do you land on indigo?
3: Yeah, there was um, there was this idea kind of floating around the lab um, right before I joined um, about how do we uh, produce indigo. Actually, I think it was because people wanted to be able to see what was going on inside the cells. Cells are really tiny, right? And um, often you make these changes and you try to get the enzymes to do different things, but you don't really... Know exactly what's going on without doing some complicated assay. Um, so there was an idea that maybe we could um, use a color output, like we change an enzyme and we get this color output. Um, and indigo is kind of this natural dye; it's found in plants. So they were like, maybe we could use indigo um, to see what's kind of going on in the cell. Huh. So just to be clear, so j- just to be clear, the idea
0: of getting a cell to express indigo, this blue color, the idea wasn't oh, let's make Cleaner dye for blue jeans. It's let's make a tool for scientists to use to understand what's going on inside the cell.
3: Initially, yeah, um, and then as we were kind of looking into it, um, it it actually seemed like indigo itself was a really big problem um, in the textile industry. Um, pretty much all indigo is used for denim jeans, um, and it it um, we learned that all of it the vast majority of it is sourced from petrochemical sources right now Uh Um, and so there was this need to actually make it in a biologically uh, sourced manner. My advisor was on um, this fellowship and they published an article showing some um, very preliminary results that we were having in the lab on this project Um, and it was published on the UC Berkeley website and then um, denim brands um, in the area actually started to reach out to him and say, oh, I heard you're working on, on other sw- ways to make indigo. Um, can we talk? Um, what is it like? How much, you know, can we do a little trial? So you decide to start the company. Uh, Tammy, you've done this research. Like, what
0: exactly had you already done? What did you know how to do when you started the company?
3: So at the end of my PhD, um, the last figure in the paper uh, that, that we published was actually um, kind of unusual for a research paper. Um, I had dyed one piece of uh, fabric. It was a scarf um, with um, this indigo dye. Um, it was definitely dyed in a way that was not scalable and not um, industrially viable by any means. It smelled a little bit funky. How,
0: how was it dyed? Like, you, how did you dye it?
3: I actually hung up um, a shoelace across um, across a hallway um, and um, just kind of flopped this piece of fabric over it, and I sprayed the dye um, against it um, and used a bucket to catch the remaining dye at the bottom. Um, it was definitely an experience, um, but we at the end of the day, we got um, this nice blue fabric, um, and it was kind of our first proof of concept.
0: So it worked. It worked at least for one scarf one time in the hallway. At
3: least once, exactly. Good.
1: I want to clarify that even though it turned blue, <laughs> that before, <laughs> right, we were literally telling the story yesterday to the company. It was like, that was like, okay, blue is great. We had no idea, you know, oh, it's kind of blue-greenish or like, yeah. you know, what, <laughs> what exactly all of that means. We had no capability to measure or understand any of that. So really getting it to those industrial specs, I would say was probably the first major uh, challenge that the company that we as a team had to tackle.
0: So tell me about that. Right. Like, blue isn't good enough, right? You can't go to some jeans manufacturer who's going to make a 100,000 pairs of jeans and be like, yeah, it's blue. They're not going to be like, great, send it to us, right? So wh- what do you have to do to get it to be the right kind of blue?
3: So kind of where, where we were at when it, at this first proof of concept was, okay, so you have cells, they're making this indigo molecule. We know it's literally indigo molecule. The cells are growing in their own media. Um, we just try to like you know, break open the cells and try to, you know, get the blue onto the fabric, but that's not necessarily good enough, right? So
0: you've got the right molecule. What do you have to, what do you have to fix when you're, you know, starting the company, leaving academia, going to make this industrial product? What do you have to fix on the kind of molecular level?
3: I think the main thing is how do we separate out the indigo molecule away from all of the other things, all of the cells and all of the things that the cell is growing in, um, and so at the very beginning, uh, a lot of our methods were very rudimentary um, using, you know, some off the shelf chemical engineering ways. Um, and so that's why our first dye turned out a little bit green. Um, and that's why um, kind of our, our first um, first hire was an, a downstream processing um, engineer so that he could help us <laughs> fix this problem.
0: So the problem is, how do you get rid of everything that is not the indigo uh, dye molecule, all the cells that made it, all the stuff that the cells were growing? You got to get rid of all that, but keep the dye. That's the first hard problem. Exactly.
3: And
1: then kind of pairing that, I think the other key unlock for us was also bringing in actual textile technical expertise. So no longer are we doing a visual test of, is it blue or not? But now we can actually precisely quantify how green is it? Uh How red is it relative to the amount of blue? And how close is that literally numerically Um compared to the synthetic standard that we want to be matching. So
0: there's figuring it out at that level, and then there's figuring out how to make thousands of pounds of this dye, right? Which seems like a related but distinct problem that you've got to be solving sort of at the same time.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, you know, like when denim brands came a-knocking, they were like, Can you make a kilogram? I was like, absolutely not. Um, (laughs) And so um, one of the big limitations um, thus far in this field of synthetic biology is, okay, so you can grow your microbe. You can grow it at larger scale. um, But how do we actually um, get the space to produce this at a large industrial scale um, over and over in a really repeatable way? Um, And so for that, you need really large-scale equipment.
0: How do you truly industrialize? How do you make lots and lots of dye every day in a factory, forever. Exactly.
3: And I think even that, we, uh, with the growth of the synthetic biology industry, um, there's been a lot more um, demand and, and and building out of these um, contract manufacturers um, where we can, we don't have to build our own facility, we can kind of drop into um, an outsourced facility um, and be able to make use of that, that infrastructure.
0: Tammy and her team have now reached the point where they can, in fact, make not just one kilogram of dye, but hundreds of kilograms. Progress! After the break, what they still have to figure out to get their dye out into the real world. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, Your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend Okay, 10 seconds. How many things can you name that are always growing? The universe, easy one, Um, my kids, so far, uh, to-do lists, uh, this month, my sugar snap peas, I know that's not always, I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you one more, businesses on Shopify. (coughs) Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic your AI-powered all-star. There are key moments in every endeavor. I ask pretty much everybody I interview on this show about their key moments, their breakthroughs, their failures, their turnarounds, and Shopify can be there for you at all of your key moments. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash problem. Go to shopify.com slash problem now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at tmobile.com/slash now.
1: That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show.
0: So maybe for Michelle. Michelle, can you can you tell me just where's the company now? What are you making now? And like what can you not do yet that you need to do?
1: <laughs> so so maybe just taking a step back, I would, I would say, um, you know, from back then when Tammy thought one kilogram was too much, you know, I think we've really been able to step up in production every year as we've also refined and iterated on the process and the product. So, you know, have gone from making just a couple grams to a couple Kilograms to now, you know, hundreds of kilograms. And we have an eye towards, you know, metric tons, so thousands of kilograms, so that we can actually meet the industry's needs, right? Which is the tens of thousands of metric tons kind of level.
0: And so, when do you think you'll be able to make at a big enough scale that you can actually sell it to somebody who's going to make jeans for me and the world?
1: Yeah. Well, so we are, we have been testing and trialing our product to make sure that we're approving kind of the iterations of the product and designing something that is truly drop in and usable for the denim industry. We are already working with brands that, you know, I think listeners, you know, and love.
0: Can you say the name? Can you say one name of one brand?
1: <laughs> we cannot share the okay. name, unfortunately. Okay.
0: It's okay. When do you think I can buy a pair of jeans dyed with your dye?
1: So I'm not going to make any promises, but I would say, you know, in the next couple years, for sure.
0: <laughs> you just made a promise. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> You're right. That's true. <laughs> Cut out the for sure. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I I mean, just to say, I think, you know, we are in, you know, we're working collaboratively with the brands and it's really a matter of our our own capacity and scaling and then kind of bringing the cost down over time too, so that it can be something that continues to be more and more accessible to the broader fashion industry. So
0: let's talk about the cost. Yeah. Tell tell me about the the economics of it.
1: I mean... It's it's one of the big goals of the business to make it, right, a success. You know, I would say we're definitely not there yet, right? To your point, you know, probably in, you know, order of magnitude of, you know, productivity away in order to get there.
0: You think it needs to be the same price as uh, petrochemical dyes?
1: So what what I would say... On the kind of price side is I think we're making a bet that brands and the greater supply chain understand the bigger picture here. Um, And the opportunity is that, you know, luckily dyes, they can make this huge visual impact. But again, they're only actually a very tiny fraction of like what makes the garment itself. And so... We believe there's a path to commercializing early, even before we are cost neutral with the petrochemicals. Uh But we can commercialize early to help build the business before we're there at the cost side, because it just doesn't make a huge difference on the end price of the garment. For example? Well, as an example, it's like, are you willing to pay $5 more for a pair of jeans to help to facilitate that transition of the industry to better materials before it becomes cost neutral?
0: And just to be clear, like $5 more is when your dye is how much more expensive than petrochemical-based dye?
1: <laughs> $5 more is like, <laughs> is like 10x, Okay. more expensive because, than petrochemical dye. Because even the, dye,
0: the dye cost is a very small percentage of the overall cost of a pair of jeans. Exactly. Okay. So presumably there's like the sort of classic early adopter curve where there's a universe of people willing to pay more, uh, because they care or because they want to signal to people that they care, whether they care or not. And, uh, those people will be your early adopters who will allow you to scale and then you'll use that scale to become uh, cost neutral. That's the dream.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we think about, you know, the Tesla model for this, right, where you start everybody at the high end and the bring Tesla it, Roadster. it down.
0: Everybody. <laughs> everybody who's not making software. Everybody who's making a physical thing. It is it is really remarkable how that metaphor is the it's like it used go to be to. Uber, but for X, but now it's Tesla, but for X. <laughs> literally yesterday I was talking to a guy who's doing that with houses. He's building these little backyard houses, Cover, the company's right. called Cover, and they're building like really nice little backyard studio apartments, but they want to build houses and they want them to be cheaper. And it's a Tesla metaphor.
1: It's like you go to the premium and you go down it yeah, worked. Um, and it, worked, and it yes, worked for
0: them. They did, did. it. Um, are you working on other colors?
1: you know, there's a broader platform and kind of opportunity here, right, to not just, you know, disrupt denim, but also the fashion industry and food and cosmetics and all of these areas where color is infused into our daily lives. And so we're actually now taking our learnings from, you know, bioengineering our first color product and looking at the broader kind of platform that we've developed and saying, how can we also create a broader palette that isn't kind of one color at a time, knowing that there are tens of thousands of different colors in use in these variety of industries today?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Build a system that is more easily customizable so that you can get the cells to make whatever is the color of the season. That's right. In a minute, the lightning round, with lots of questions about jeans. Jeans as in denim. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life? What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org/wisefriend. Take your business further at tmobile.com/slash now. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Now, back to the show. Let's, um, let's do a lightning round. Let me just ask you a bunch of questions before it's time to go.
1: Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: they'll, be, they'll be different. They'll be simpler and more fun. Okay, for either
3: of you, why are jeans still almost always blue? because I don't know if this is a very chicken and egg answer, but it's because it has to be made with indigo. And I think um, and indigo is blue and indigo actually binds the yarns in such a way that you can kind of flake it off from the, from the fabric. And, you know, as you wear it, uh, it takes the shape of, you know, your body or, you know, the wallet that you put in your back pocket. and. It's really rare to have a dye that has these properties.
0: I've seen numbers that seem wild for the number of genes made in a year. Do you? Do yeah. You, does either of you know a, a true number for that?
1: So our latest estimates are number of genes every year made is about two to four billion garments. Billion. A year. Like that's. Billion. That's wild, right? Like. Yes. I mean, wh- how, what are we at
0: for the world now? Eight billion people? Is that, is that right? So it's like in a few years, you have a pair of jeans for every single man, woman, and child on earth.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Here's one for both of you. And I want you to try and answer at the same time. So I'm going to ask the question, and then I'm going to oh, say gosh. one, two, three. And then when I get to three, I want you to just give a yes or no answer. Can you wear a jean jacket with jeans? Yes or no? One, two, three.
3: No. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's coming back. It's a trend that is coming back now. I'm telling you.
3: That may be true. That may be true.
0: (laughs) Michelle, you came to Hugh from the business world. What do you know about science now that you didn't know when you started the company?
1: Ooh, too much. I know. (laughs) I know so much about science. I know enough to be dangerous to talk about bioengineering and chemical engineering (laughs) and, you know, biomanufacturing to be, to be really dangerous. So just to say, you know, I think there's a lot of great science, a lot of great ideas out there, but actually, you know, I have a lot of respect for the chemical engineers and the folks who actually go from R&D to actually turn it into something that has a commercial case around it. And, you know, we need to make those tough decisions and work on those optimization problems to actually get it to be something that's adoptable for the industry.
0: So I just want to shout out your dog who's really doing amazing work (laughs) back over your shoulder. What kind of dog is it?
1: She's a cocker spaniel. Um, this is one of her better days. She really loves it, showing her um, just just all sides of her. Let's say to the camera whenever I am on camera.
0: <laughs> What's her name?
1: Her name's Daisy.
0: Daisy, classic. Michelle Zhu and Tammy Sue are the co-founders of Hue. Today's show was produced by Edith Russelo. It was edited by Sarah Nix and Robert Smith and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Goldstein, or you can email us at at problem@pushkin.fm. We'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem?
2: For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. How do you create present
0: and future value? As a leading provider of specialized finance operations and technology advisory services for Fortune 500 companies, emerging growth market leaders, and private equity sponsors, cross-country consulting solves today's most pressing challenges and creates present and future enterprise value. With tailored, integrated solutions for accounting, Risk, technology enabled transformation, and transaction solutions, Cross Country works as a strategic partner and collaborative part of your team. The future ready business, insight and within reach. Go to crosscountry consulting.com to learn more.
1: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee.